Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Yeah, well, two things are going on, dude. Falls in the air, which means that baseball, the finally the season for baseball is here. That hurts my feelings, Larry. I, I, know, I know it's going to hurt your feelings, but, our, <laughs> but there'll be some banter when Lee comes on. But this is actually falls a favorite time of year for me, only because my birthday falls in the fall. But you got the fall classic, you got the Dodgers and Lee, maybe the Yankees, oh, but yeah. but who but who knows? But falls in the air and I love it, Daryl. Okay, well, my Blue Jays are about to be done for the winter. <laughs> whatever they do. Hey, by the way, welcome to the Song from the Heart podcast. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine being authentic, adding real value. We call it selling from the heart. And Larry, uh, we always like to give a shout out to our friends at Send Out Cards. I am, uh, I continue to be amazed. I, I say this over and over again, but I'm amazed at the power of something as old fashioned as a greeting card to get someone's attention in today's world. I, I know, and, and hats off to my wife, but now, she has all these friends on Facebook from the Relationship Marketing Grand Summit. Yes. <laughs> and it's like once a week, she gets at least two to three cards in the mail. And somebody, you know, who she's, who she's friends with goes, hey, if you just upload some pictures, I'll send you a card. So it's like, you know, it's like, I checked the mail today. There's a card for Robin. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, she's hooked, but she sees the power behind it because she actually likes opening it. She's got this big collage working and all that, but it's the power of that card does amazing things. Yeah, no. And if you want to give it a shot, if you haven't tried sending a personalized card through send out cards, you can actually do it for free at cards.sellingfromtheheart.net. There's a link in the show notes. And it is an incredible way to build relationships. But speaking of great relationships, Larry, we have got an incredible friendship with our guests today. And I know that this is going to be a pun intended value added episode for, uh, for our <laughs> friends out there. So why don't you introduce Lee and let's dive in. Oh, well, actually, Lee's the second time around on Selling from the Heart, but Lee Sauls and I go, we are banters almost constantly because <laughs> Lee's a New Yorker, right? And I was raised in Southern California. So we got this whole Dodger Yankee thing going. And then his daughter chimes in with the Minnesota Twins because that's, that's where Lee <laughs> hangs out. So now I, now I got two against one, but Lee's just a kindred spirit. He's been on selling from the heart before. I mean, the guy's just a master of sales differentiation. So Lee Sauls, we got to welcome you back to selling from the heart. I'm honored. Love to be here. Man, we're so glad you're here. And this is going to be a fantastic conversation today. Before we get to the topic of the day, I want to hear what you have to say on the question of the day. And the question of the day is simply this, Lee, what does it mean to you when you hear the words selling from the heart? It's very simple. It's putting the needs of others ahead of yours. I've always told salespeople 
that if your objective is to make money, I mean, we've been told that if you're in sales, you, the correct answer, if a uh, hiring manager asks you, so why do you, why are you in sales? You're supposed to say, cause I want to make a lot of money. And I, and I always tell salespeople, if you put the money first, you will fail. If you put helping people, helping them achieve their objective, whatever it is, if it's personal, like getting promoted or helping them with a problem or a challenge they have in, in the workplace, the money will just follow. And by the way, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, but he, but here's here's the interesting thing, because by the way, I buy it because I'll ask sales teams, right? Hey, I'm just curious, you know, why'd y'all get into sales? And this, the number's a number, whether it's Eighty percent or ninety percent or something—they're all going to say because of money, and mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. But it's so. But Lee, I mean, let's just throw this one out on the table because I'd be curious. So now I'm just that salesperson. I'm playing Debbie Doubter, right? Mm -hmm. You're going right that that new salesperson, that struggling salesperson, or that tenured one's going to go. Okay, Lee, right? I buy that, right? But I got to make some money because. So you're telling me we'll set that aside. Now I got to go do these other things. Why? Why do, why do you think they struggle with that to the point where they just go, forget this, right? And they t I think they radio tune us out. Yeah. And you know, the comp plan's a mirage. If you try to work the comp plan and that's all you do, you're never going to make the money that you want to make. Mm -hmm. But if you put your prospects and clients in front and say, my job is to help them achieve their objectives, whatever that might be, the money will just, it'll come. It's just a question of, of where you're going to put the focus. That's fantastic. And the comp plan is a mirage because it's probably going to change. <laughs> well, that's a whole separate career conversation <laughs> about that. Yeah, but I mean, those two on your clients, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly say, okay, that the, the whole numeric thing, I'm going to be robotic. I make this number of calls to get this right. number of meetings. And, and so, and I believe there's, there's two parts to sales success. There's the quantitative side, which is that model, but then there's the qualitative side. I ask salespeople all the time. I was in Dallas this week and, and I asked the audience, I said, raise your hand if you love cold calling. How many hands do you think went up? Very there's probably few. one crazy person who thought his boss was watching. None. It was none. And I said, but there's someone that hates it more than you. And it's the people on the other end of the phone. <laughs> who know the only reason you're calling is to sell them something they don't want, they don't need so that you get a commission check. Mm. That's it. That's the sole purpose of the call. Right. And yeah. so that's where if you just focus on the number side, you can't say, I believe in selling from the heart and be robotic and only worry about numbers. No, it doesn't work. No, no. Well, and that brings us to where, where we're going today. And that is the, the topic of authenticity. And, you know, we on the I thought, wait, 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 wait. Daryl, where we're going? Well, Larry and I are going to the postseason. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I, this is going to go on the entire episode. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, true. Uh, but I'm not cheering for either one of your teams. <laughs> no, you know, this, this topic of authenticity, when we think in, and obviously, authenticity, I think we all are, believing that authenticity is a core component of success in, in today's marketplace more than ever. And when you think about authenticity, really there's two sides to the authentic, authenticity coin. There's the relational side. We need genuine, authentic relationships. 
But there's also the value side as well. We need to bring genuine, authentic value to the table. And when you say putting the needs of others ahead of yourself, Lee, I think one of the biggest um, gaps, if you will, or, or challenges that salespeople face is, do they really understand the needs, uh, the world of their clients and prospects? That's a great question. Um, one of the things that I preach, if you will, is when, when you want to become a master, they, they say, salespeople, you need to know your product inside and out. And I agree. You also need to master the people that you're selling to. If you call on CFOs and HR executives and, and various folks in that, in that C-suite, you need to master them. You need to learn their challenges, their priorities, their language, their terminology, so that you're not speaking French in Italy and Chinese in Japan. And you need to be able to speak their language, understand them so that they see you as someone who could be a helpful resource to them. It's not product. I mean, of course, that's what the two of you talk about all the time, selling from the heart. If you invest the time to master the people that you're selling to, again, that's also going to help you to communicate that you care. Yeah, you know, and you bring up a really good point because um, one of the things that I always ask people, Lee, all the time is help me understand, right? If you hear the term equal business stature, mm. what does that mean to you? And Lee, unfortunately, people struggle with that. Not only does salespeople struggle with it, but management struggles with it. Because, Those are big you know, words. I was actually about to get the dictionary out. No, come on, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm that's, Larry, that's above my pay grade. No, no, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really simple because you already said it. Is, you know, if, you want, if you're calling on, you know, let's just say the upper C-suite, right? You're calling on CFOs, CEOs, CIOs, right? See whatever comes after that. Is if you want to get on an equal playing field with them, then you got to walk, talk, and act like them. I'm not saying that you have to be that CEO or that CFO, Correct. but you need to understand that world. And yes. then they go, okay, now I understand equal business stature just for the simple reason. It's not a salesperson having a conversation with a C-level person. Mm -hmm. It's one professional having another conversation with another professional. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you go back to what you were saying, Lee, about salespeople getting sales because they want to make money. I mean, we all, we all want to make money. I, I want to make, you know, I want to make heart surgeon kind of money. Right. And you can in sales, you can, it's, it's actually kind of ridiculous that, you know, is the amount of money that you can make in the sales profession. But but, you know, that, that heart surgeon, that doctor, that attorney, they're a professional. And then they take the time, they go through the education process to be on their game, right? And so I think one of the things that, that's a reality for, for true sales professionals that want to add authentic value is they got to put in some authentic time, right? To actually being, uh, you know, the opposite of what Larry talks about all the time, which is that empty suit. Um, they've got to actually uh, put the time in to learn, uh, to go past the buzzwords. I mean, I, you know, I wear a marketing hat a lot of the time in, uh, in my role. And the, the, 
buzzword uh, soup of corporate America right now, all of it's like totally meaningless, right? And I think mm -hmm. when it comes to talking about customer needs, prospects needs, sales reps, if they do uh, manage to get past product to the, the customer's world, a lot of the salespeople I see, Lee, are just throwing out buzzwords of, you know, and it's meaningless stuff. And to me, that's, that's just signaling you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I was with a client yesterday and they were sharing with me their elevator pitch or their sound bite. And I read it and I said, okay, let me ask you this. If I gave you your competitor's business card, could you say the same thing? And they looked at each other. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Right. You know, and one of the worst things is to say, so what, why should we do business with you? Our people. Everybody says our people, right. our people, right? Biggest mistake made with sales differentiation is just tossing out like you're describing is tossing out differentiators and giving it no context. We're the biggest, we're locally owned, we're privately held. Right. And Who we cares? expect someone on the start of the other side of the desk to give it meaning. Right. And if we don't, one of two things really, really bad happens. They either never figure it out or they give it a meaning that you're not going to like. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I had a client that uh, is in the fitness equipment business. And they went through a sales differentiation program with me. And I said, share with me one of the differentiators that, that you position with your clients. And they said, well, we're USA manufactured. I said, okay, wonderful. And, and why does that matter to someone that you're selling to? And they look at me and they said, altruism, you know, the American brand. I said, okay, I get that. I said, let me ask you this. If I buy from one of your competitors, can I have the equipment next week? No, 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 no. Most of our competitors are in China. Oh, so I can't have it next week. No, no, no. It takes months. Interesting. And um, when it comes, is it in parts and you have to put it together? No, 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 no. It comes fully assembled. So in other words, if my facility is already built, I can't get equipment in through that doorway that's already been assembled. Yeah, that's right. So when you talk about being USA manufactured, what you're saying is if you already have a, your facility built and you want the equipment sometime sooner than four months from now, because it comes by ship, then you got to buy from an American company. And oh, by the way, there's only a couple of them. Yeah, that's the point. I said, well, you're talking about altruism now. I get it. You know, if you see a picture of, you know, a Marine or they talk about having a military history, yes, that would be one piece of the conversation. But right. the bigger story is not that being altruistic, but you can have the equipment faster and you can get it into a facility that's already been built. Bingo. So a sales rep that wants to take that, that journey, and I know we've got a lot of sales professionals listening that, you know, are across all different industries um, and, and, you know, your sales professional, you're sitting here going, okay, that makes sense. The training I've been through with my company is all about product and the customer stuff is just generic alphabet soup of, of, you know, buzzwords of reducing overhead expenses and blah, 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 blah. Um, as a sales professional that is going to have to maybe just pick the ball up themselves and go on this journey of, um, really thinking through the value they have and build, building that bridge to an individual prospect. 
Mm-hmm. What, how do you recommend a salesperson go on that journey if their company's not doing it? Yeah, there, there's two exercises that I suggest salespeople do. The one is to look at their primary competitors okay. and do a very simple analysis for each one. Why you win and why they win. And price can't be on either side of the ledger. Good. Amen. Okay. okay. And for all the reasons, and, and if anybody wants to challenge me on that, I come back with this. So if you believe that price is the big driver, and what you're telling me is you live in the cheapest home, drive the cheapest car, wear the cheapest clothes, and buy the cheapest food. Right. Right. There's value there that you perceive. And that's why when you look on the highway, there's all these different cars. So that's one thing that you do. And then the second one is you look at the people that are involved in the decision-making process. I call them decision influencers. Mm-hmm. And again, you're going to have two sides of a ledger. On the left side of it, the top five things that are keeping this individual awake at night. Okay. But not just five random things, five that you can help them with. Okay. The five biggest things the CFO is concerned with that you can help them with. And the right side of the ledger is how you can help them. That's good. That ex- and that exercise, so if you pick your three biggest competitors and you pick the four or five people up to, I think, what's the number now? It's like on average about eight people involved in the decision-making process. You profile them. You go through that process. What you'll find is on the side of the ledger for the competitors and why you win, you just found a list of differentiators because you just said you're winning because of this. Yeah. And then on, on the synergy side on how you can help with the right. things that are keeping them awake at night, now you have another portfolio of differentiators. And you'll find you go through that, you'll wind up with 15, 20 differentiators without blinking an eye. That's but you can't just toss them out. You can't just, like I said, you can't say, well, we're privately held. And right. someone's going to derive meaning from that. Right. That's beautiful. I can see, you know, uh, thinking just from a real practical level, um, if you're a sales professional listening to this right now, I mean, you could just go through that exercise 10 minutes before your next appointment, right? Sit down and, uh, and you know, grab a Starbucks before that appointment, draw a line down the middle of the page, top five challenges I could help this person with um, and, and how you could help them. I mean, yeah. it'd be amazing. wouldn't it be incredible to like walk into the appointment with your legal pad and just plot that thing down on the desk and go, I was thinking about our meeting today. And this mm-hmm. is what I came up with. Well, I mean, you, hey, yeah. but you know what? I mean, let's, let's take that one step farther and turn this actually into an exercise is then can you imagine a group of salespeople on that sales team who then goes back to their current clients Lee, mm-hmm. and asks them, right? Hey, can you share with me over the past year, right? And, you know, as this podcast airs, right, it's going to be in Q4. And can you imagine a group of salespeople sitting down with their client saying, you know what, as we roll into Q4, can you share with me the two or three, you know, issues, challenges that you need to remove off your plate mm-hmm. between yeah, now and the end of the year? And then that's that line, right, Lee? And then those are the same issues, initiatives, or challenges that they can use when they're having meetings with new prospects saying, hey, you know what, over the past year, over the next 90 days, these are some of the issues and challenges that some of my clients have. What say that of you? See where I'm going with this? Same thing, but then you turned it into a role exercise. 
Yeah, exactly. And those, and so those two exercises I just described, that's the pre-work that I give to clients to have their salespeople do ahead of my workshop program. Yeah. So they all come in. Um, I work with the management team to come up with which competitors and which decision influencers, and then they go through and, and conduct that work ahead of the program with me because I don't want them first thinking about that when they're sitting in the room for yeah. all the reasons that we're talking about. That's so solid. I think, you know, I'm just thinking about doing that before a meeting. I'm going to start doing this, by the way, Lee. This is a great, I got a great idea. I mean, because, you know, as sales professionals, you're sitting, uh, you're preparing for a meeting. Maybe you're sitting in the lobby or you're sitting in your car before walking in. And, you know, sales professionals, we carry a lot of stress. I mean, you have a pressure to perform. I know, you know, we're recording this uh, four days before the end of the quarter. Um, it, there's a lot of pressure. And so if you walk into that appointment with all that pressure, it's a problem. It's going to hurt the relational side of it. It's going to, you know, make it focused on you rather than them. So to take that moment and center yourself around who you're meeting with, what's important to them, um, and what value you can bring to their top five um, nightmares is that, you know, that could change the ball game just on the demeanor of walking into that appointment. Well, and that for the sales leaders that are that are listening to us, this is a great initiative to have with your sales team. Mm-hmm. Take all that information and put it together in a playbook and yeah. then share it back out. Right. So it would probably take six months or so, you know, to get everybody through and get it all together. But think about when you're onboarding that next salesperson. And having a playbook that says, by the way, here are our primary competitors. Here's why we win. Here's why they win. And then here are the primary people we're encountering when we're selling. Right. Here's what's keeping them up at night that we can help with and, and how. And from yeah. that, pull the primary differentiators out. Yeah, it reminds me of earlier this week. And, you know, Larry, your point of take them to lunch, ask your current clients to tell you that's really, really powerful. Um, the other side of that coin is, you know, block off 30, 45 minutes and hit Google and start looking. I've yep. been doing, I was putting together a, uh, a, a marketing briefing for CFOs and mid-sized companies this week for one of our clients. And so it doesn't take much work to go out and search for, you know, what challenges are CFOs facing? What challenges are, you know, insert your prospect there, get you know, get the current information. You've got all the seeds there to have a great conversation that's uh, differentiated and adds value. So, so let's go to the other end of the spectrum. The meeting's over. Mm. We've already had it. And uh, obviously people are listening to this podcast. They're looking for ideas that they can immediately put into practice. And so I'm going to share with you a way that they can sell from the heart and sell different at the same time. And this is a strategy that over 99% of salespeople don't do. All right. So imagine, all right. So we had this fantastic meeting, right? Where we gathered all this wonderful information. We found pain and challenges. We positioned our differentiators. They were eating it up. We have action items. They have action items. We can taste the deal. It's that good. It's crystal clear in our mind exactly how this prospect becomes a client. And then we leave. 
And it doesn't dawn on us. You see, we remember it like our favorite movie. It doesn't dawn on us that the person that we met with had five other meetings that day after us, 16 voicemail messages, and 105 emails. Yep. And every one of those layers on top of our meeting, and we become a distant memory. And so what over 99% of salespeople don't do is send a recap email. In this email, you go over the meeting highlights, those key differentiators that they bought into, and the action steps. Here's what I said I'm going to do. Here's what you said you're going to do. One of the things I tell salespeople is that you need to make every client feel like they're your only client. Mm. And think about what that recap email does. Yeah, and, and, but, but he, the, dude, I love this. But now, if, even if you now take it one step farther and then how you end it yep. is, I hope I covered everything or I think, you know, I believe this covers everything. But if I've missed something, can you reply back to this in red or something like that with anything that you would like to add on top of this? Yep. Can you imagine what would happen? Everything that you can gain, Lee and Daryl, from that, then, yep. then that person reading it's going to go, Holy crap. The other I thing finally is, found somebody. Yeah. Yes. And you also, you write it in such a way that they can forward this email to others. Cause we know there's always going to be multiple people involved in a B2B decision. Mm-hmm. So you can write it in such a way that someone who wasn't in the meeting could read that and be up to speed. Yep. Brilliant. Oh, man. And, and again, that's, I, I bring it back to being genuine. Right. You sh- by doing that, I mean, it's going to take you a few minutes to, to write that. But you're showing that you're willing to invest in the account by taking that time. You know, I, I ask salespeople all the time, who's your biggest competitor? And they'll rattle off four or five names. I'll say, yeah, that's that's a pretty big competitor. I'm sure they're pretty tough. Um, but there's one even tougher. And they'll say, oh, you mean that sales trainer one, the status quo, the choice to do nothing. Also a formidable competitor. But there's one even bigger that I've never had anyone guess. And they might say, oh, you mean ourselves? Which is true. If your mind isn't in the right place, you're going to struggle. But that's not the answer. We think of competition from an egocentric perspective. Our primary competitor is every salesperson calling the same people we are trying to get a meeting. So let's say you call on vice presidents of HR and you sell payroll. Okay, so they're getting calls from um, the players in the payroll space, but if you go back and think of it from their perspective, that head of HR has this broad range of responsibilities. They're getting calls and emails from hundreds, if not thousands of salespeople, all wanting the same thing, a meeting. And they're not gonna meet with everyone. So how are you gonna be authentic? How are you gonna be different? How are you going to stand out from all these other salespeople trying to get in front of them? So it's much more challenging than salespeople think. They're like, oh, well, it's just this couple of companies here that are in our space. No, flip it around. Look at it from their perspective. They're getting calls and emails all day long from salespeople representing their purview of responsibilities and beyond. Man, what a great perspective. This is a, this is a, conversation that I think our listeners are going to want to hit the rewind button on Lee. This has been really, really helpful. 
Um, and I want to just, first of all, I just want to say a genuine thank you for coming and, and sharing these ideas with us, because I think that the stuff that we've just talked about, um, I feel personally like I'm going to, I'm, I'm grabbing some of these ideas and running with them in my own life, because that is so incredibly powerful. And uh, by the way, for our listeners, if, if you live under a rock and haven't bought a copy of sales differentiation yet, um, no, I, I shouldn't, uh, it, it is, it's fantastic. And you got to get to know Thank Lee, you. but uh, Lee, we're bumping up against the end of our, our time today. So I'm just kind of curious if you, if you could say one thing to a global audience of genuine, authentic salespeople as, as uh, you do your swan song to exit here today, what would you say? Sell different. And I mean it as a double entendre. Look for every opportunity to do something different than what your competition does that your prospects and clients will find meaningful. Not different for the sake of different, but doing something that they would find meaningful, Mm. that they would find valuable. Beautiful. Well, Larry, what a great conversation, man. Yeah, I could I could talk to Lee about this for hours. So this was oh my gosh, good stuff so yeah, good. Well, we can talk baseball now. Hey, to everyone in the audience today, thank you so much. We we are so honored to be a part of uh, this global community of sales professionals. For those of you who, who have uh, left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify in the podcast. A genuine thank you as well. That helps us spread the word. But until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, sell different, and most of all, sell from the heart.